Joining you from the beautiful Liberty Radio Network studios in New Hampshire, this is the Sunday edition of Free Talk Live. Coming to you live on Sunday, October 1st. Tonight, it's Sam. October 1st, Wayne. Uh, what did I say? It's August 1st. <laughs> August 1st. Don't rush us now. <laughs> I've, been, I've been thinking about uh, a, a thing that happens here in downtown Keene called Pumpkin Fest. It's, the, uh, it's a big event, draws in a lot of people. There are a, uh, quite a few activists who are uh, excited about that coming, and we're kind of making plans for how do we reach out to people, how do we... Uh, Talk to folks and what kind of activism and things do we want to do to engage them in uh, critical thinking. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, so uh, here we are, Wayne, doing our uh, Sunday show. We've got a number of things to uh, to talk about this this uh, for the next few hours, and one of them, I, there's a just a funny, funny story that I think is uh, is I, I really enjoy. Whoever did this, even though it's mm, it's it's not great, it doesn't perfectly align with property rights, but uh, there are some. Some lawyers in Denver who are uh, very upset at what happened. <laughs> so Tell us about it, Sam. <laughs> so uh, let's see. Attorneys not laughing at justice sign where the justice has actually been put in quotes. Um, so here in Denver, according to uh, 7 News, the graffiti on the sign outside the Boulder County Justice Center has been there for four days. But only now have authorities caught on to the vandals' irony, and they are not amused. Uh, using the using what appeared to be stencils and white paint, someone added quotation marks around the word justice on the facility's main sign. According to the Daily Camera, the graffiti appeared sometime late Sunday night. It went unnoticed by attorneys, prosecutors, <laughs> judges, and police officers who walked past the sign daily <laughs> for four days. Uh, attorney uh, Stan Gar- Garnett was... Uh, was less amused when he saw the quotations for the first time Wednesday afternoon. I'm quite proud of the work that happens here at this center, he said to the camera. So to suggest that the official sign on the official sign that it's not justice is not appropriate. Not to him. Garnett said he thinks someone disgruntled with the court system might be to blame. So, hmm, okay. I guess they'll get right on that. The sheriffs can only have to look for like what ninety ninety five percent of the people who have ever used the uh, the government's monopoly court system. They've got a long list of suspects. <laughs> <laughs> no problem cracking this one. Good luck, guys. Uh, you know what's really funny is the comments. There are three comments on the story, and of course the first one is just a woman named Heather's just says LOL, and then the, the second guy says ha 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 ha, and and how. Is it that those who are supposedly involved in the justice industry can't see the irony in that? And, and then the third one by Jesse says, I like it. Irony and humor uh, um, defined in just a pair of quotation marks. <laughs> and it's nice. There's a picture here on the, uh, the, the ABC 7 News website here for Denver, and they actually they made it look like it's part of the, the sign. That's why I think they didn't notice it for four days. But it, it does speak volumes. I'm in the middle of editing a um, uh, one of the uh, chief justice of New Hampshire was on a local talk radio show here this uh, earlier this week. Mm-hmm. And I've been cutting that up and, and taking the words that the justice is saying about, oh, well, you know, we have fair and dedicated people and this and that and sort of adding my own commentary. So there, there's 
I, do the courts help people? I think, of course, they do. I, I mean, sure. They also do a lot of things that aren't really moral, that aren't really justified, that in no way serve the, the best interests of the people and of justice, but of the actual court system itself. I mean, their, their first interest is to ensure their own longevity, their own legitimacy and control over everything so that they can continue to ensure that, you know, this is the way it goes, that, uh, you know, things continue that I get to keep my job, I get to collect on that nice pension. Once and the power, uh, the power. Once things going doesn't yeah. hurt either. Well, that's how. That was the most amazing thing at the end of this interview. The uh, Dan Mitchell, the the morning talk show host here, asked the question to the chief justice. You know, what is it? Is there one thing that you remember that stands out? What is the the best thing about being the chief justice over all these eighteen years? You know what his answer was? Power. It, Dan, it was, it's really, you know, this may not be the answer you're looking for, but it's, it's really being given the authority over other people's lives. Oh boy. That was his answer. Ooh. <laughs> so yeah, certainly, um, wow, it's going to be a, it's going to be interesting. I think this, this shows that I think the mass sort of awakening that's going on as people start to realize how the deck really is stacked against them, that you, you supposedly are in this system, you know, we've been everybody's been for, had this justice system forced upon them. Mm. Well, you know, I think if it suffers from mission creep. I think that if, if, if it were, if it stuck to its original mission of being a referee uh, in contract disputes and, and things like that, it wouldn't have been so bad, but now they just shake people down in many cases. And I've heard people call it the just us system mm-hmm. uh, for the same reason. But as our society now is at a critical point because it's become so centralized and so complex that it's going to collapse. And you're seeing, these are the little signs you're seeing that the collapse is near. Mm-hmm. When people start to uh, see it for what it is, as this illegitimate group of people who are just out there to rip you off. To pay it, no attention to the man behind the curtain. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so uh, we've got a number of stories. This is a show about your calls. If you make them, the number you can do that at is 603-435-1105. You can call in, bring up anything that's on your mind. If uh, you guys don't want to call, then we will talk about some stories that are on our mind. Uh, You can also go online and find out more about uh, the show at freetalklive.com. We've got, uh, it's a very interactive website. It's the new Web 2.0 where anybody can uh, create an account for free. You can submit stories and uh, other users and listeners of the show will uh, rank those stories and bring them up on the front page, which is where... A lot of uh, our stories come from, and Wayne, I know you have one about uh, rainwater collection and the government sort of uh, getting involved in uh, people's daily lives and telling them how they can live on their own property. Do you know what that's about? Yes. From silverbearcafe.com, there's a conflict between the right and the left about unalienable rights and what exactly that entails. Some of the left believe, for example, that health care and housing are rights that should be given to all while the right argues that these are privileges that should not be given but earned. Most conservatives and many liberals also believe in that the right to bear arms for self-protection is a right, though there are opponents who argue that allowing guns in America actually leads to higher crime and the world would be better without them. Of course, if everybody was without them, but that's not what would happen. <laughs> that's just yeah. a fantasy land. I mean, yeah. what could be defined as a weapon, anything, a rock? Well, like they say in the martial arts, the mind is the weapon. Everything else is just a tool. Interesting. Regardless of where you stand on these issues, one place where there should be absolutely no discussion regarding what protections we have, not just as American citizens, but as human beings, 
are our natural rights to produce our own food, harvest our own water, and our ability to transfer these in the form of barter, trade, or charity amongst consenting parties. Sounds it, pretty reasonable. I mean, if everybody's in agreement and and nobody feels like they're being cheated, why should anyone else get involved besides the two people who want to mutually exchange products and services? In a new article called Federal Food Police Coming Soon to a Farm Near You, Tess Pennington outlines the federal government's efforts to restrict the production of food on family farms, not just for commercial resale, but personal consumption. Though regulators deny that this is the stated intent of the statutes, it is clear that the letter of the law will essentially give federal agencies the ability to shut down your backyard vegetable garden if they feel the need to do so. Why would federal... Hold on there, Wayne. (laughs) This is at a time when I think gardening, the figures that I saw last year, was up 17%, and Mm -hmm. it's expected to grow. I mean, you've got people like Gerald Salente out there saying, rip up these useless gardens that you have in your front yard growing grass and start planting something that will actually sustain you. Uh, You know, uh, food is certainly a way that governments have used to uh, control populations and ensure that, you know, they're going to do what we're say, we say because if they're hungry and they have to get their food from us, what choice are they going to have? So here we have the federal government, from the sound of it, starting to regulate even just small individual families growing food in their yard. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. And it's, it, so, but why would the federal and local law enforcement move to shut down your personal garden? We'll find out. Yes, we will. Uh, you can call in, share your thoughts, 603-435-1105. This is Free Talk Live. It's the show about your calls on the live Sunday edition. We'll be right back. This is Free Talk Live, the Sunday edition. Joining you from the Liberty Radio Network studio in downtown Keene, New Hampshire. Tonight, it's Sam. And Wayne. And you can join us on the website at freetalklive.com. A number of great features there. There's a forum that's pretty much a DMZ zone. It's completely unmoderated, so users be warned if you want to visit that. But uh, forum.freetalklive.com. And, uh, Wayne, we were just getting into the, the food story, uh, but this is a show about your calls, and we have Dave on the line calling from Montana. Dave, you're on the air. Hey, how you doing? Thanks a lot. Great. Hey, What's I on your mind? A, uh, st- I got a story to tell. I did an experiment today. I went to the gas station to get some gas. I got six bucks of gas. I bought a cup of coffee and Twinkies. Okay. Asked the guy at the register, I said, would you take a half a size thumb, about half the size of your thumb, a nice bud, really good bud? <laughs> and the guy took the bud from me, and I watched him pay the register with his own money, <laughs> you know, because I didn't want him to rip the store off. And he paid the register, took money out of his pocket, and paid the register. So you gave him and like a, a thimble of Budweiser beer in exchange for gas? I think you meant a different type of bud. Huh? Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Dave, did you, what kind of bud did you mean? Did you yeah, mean Budweiser? I, I offered the guy a... Huh? Did you, did you mean Budweiser hey, or a bud of, you know what? No, bud of weed. <laughs> uh, I thought <laughs> really so. Good bud. Uh, of course, I'm just giving you a hard time, Dave. I grew it, I grew it myself, and uh, so it was no money to me, you know. 
So I went to Wendy's, and then I got two cheeseburgers, french fries, and a root beer mm-hmm. later on. And I offered the same deal, and the, and the girl took it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Did she put the money in the so, register? I, I I don't know. I was in the outside line with you know you know the oh in the drive-thru, uh, drive-through line. So I, wow, it was all filmed yeah, then. So she picked the buttons. And, so and what I, do you do? They 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 come on the uh, the little uh, walkie-talkie thing, and they're like, uh, "That'll be six thirty-nine. Pull forward, please." And then you drive up and like, hey, you want? Right, how about right, some right. bud? What? What do you? How right, does that conversation yeah. go? They big smile and they they look around real quick and they take the bud <laughs> and they pay for your food. <laughs> yeah, and oh. I got gas. So today I ate for free and I I got gas for free for just growing a plant. Man, that's a nice plant. Well, that's like a that. farmer for you. Well, you you didn't get the gas for free. I mean, you were able to uh, create some value, and I this is a a point that I think would we'd well, see a lot easy, more. Man. of. all I did was put. All I did was uh, put some, you know, nice fertilizer, and I got bunny dung, and I got, I got <laughs> bunny uh, dung. <laughs> uh, what do you call it? The bat dung, and I got uh, bat dung water in the sun, and bat guano. And boom. Yeah. So that, those are all like organic uh, fertilizers. And then and I, I, things. I rot and I make rotten mangoes. I buy mangoes and I let them rot, and I throw that in there too because I think it adds flavor. Yeah, so I think what you're uh, sort of doing is is demonstrating that alternate currencies can actually work. Now, in, in the case of cannabis or any other substance that's under uh, the, a government prohibition, the, the, the value is, is sort of exponentially increased because of the war on drugs, because of the inherent risks that you're taking by, you know, you could have gotten somebody at the, at the drive-in window that wrote down your license plate and called the police instead of exchanging that for money. But I, in a free market... What's that? I said, I'd just deny it. I said, I'd never ask that girl. She's crazy. <laughs> well, you know, it might work. It might not. It's hard, kind of hard to say. But still, you know, I think that's a, a valuable alternative. Today, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, that's great. Uh, yeah, any, it worked today. Anything else on your mind, Dave? Uh, just this, you know, like uh, we're supposed to be like the free nation and all that, you know, and you read our Declaration of Independence. Uh, it's not my Declaration of Independence. Huh? It's not my Declaration of Independence. I've actually been listening through Lysander Spooner and hearing him talk about, you know, Dave, all of the people who signed the Declaration of Independence are dead. And unless they can pass on obligations that they've created to their children, then how does that create any obligation on me? I, I like that declaration, and you know it says that all people are created equal, except for blacks and, and people who don't own so the we land. We have certain rights. We have we have certain rights. You know. Well, every th- those rights I should be expanded I, to everybody. I, yeah, that's right. To the world, them words. That's what I'm getting at. Them words were was written for humanity. It wasn't just written for this nation. I no, don't know. Well, well they were hypocritical uh, back then, Sam, but, you know, they had the right idea, but they still were blinded by well, and, their and own also, time, their own era. I, I say, I say they, they kind of went void in 1787 when they walked out of Constitutional Conventional Hall there and not releasing the slaves. I think America went null and void that very day. They, they were living in a dreamland. And it took like almost 150 years to get to the point to 
to release the slaves, but they actually made us all slaves after the Civil War, if you think about it. Well, I, I mean, they, they made everybody who didn't sign the document or swear an oath to it a slave. Because if, if, some, right. if some group of people can go off in a hotel room or a, the woods somewhere or wherever and, and write up some words down on a piece of paper and then come back and say, well, aha, our, now you're all obligated to follow this piece of paper, then, you know, that's well, not really legitimate. Kind of like, I think it's our kind of uh, like aspiration to bring them words true to bearing, you know, like. They, now, I don't know if those are the specific or, words that I want to bring true. I mean, I, there's a lot of problems in their documents. I, I think well, they were... Well, what's what wrong the, with all men created equal and that you have certain rights that can't be taken away from you by men? Uh, how, by, well, if I'm a woman, that wouldn't sound too appealing to me, Dave. Well, well all right. Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry for not being PC. If you're going to be... PC like this, then then we're never going to get nowhere. Dave, it's not no. about being politically you know, correct. You know that Dave, I meant Dave. all people. All right, you know I meant all people. I didn't mean just men. Okay, what about and, and what I about black men, that Dave? You're intelligent enough to, to 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 know that I was talking about all people. Okay, the next time I got to say men, that's that's women, the problem, children, though, Dave. Dave, that's the problem. These uh, embryos. Uh, <laughs> All right, I got to pipe Dave down here because he's just talking over us. You know, Dave, you you can say that about the Constitution, and well, I didn't mean that, but that's is what the founders mean. They mean they meant, you know, all men are created equally. They only let men vote that were property owners. They they had, uh, you know, slavery going. Uh, there were a lot of things that were wrong with that document, and it's. <laughs> They left that constitutional hall without releasing the slaves in 1887. But Dave, that's that was the day our constitution went null and void. Dave, that's the problem. That the, the the day that the, that the constitution went wrong was the day that it was in the from the day of its inception. Okay, no group of people, Wayne and I, can't well, no, get together and vote and decide to control your life, Dave. I mean, I'm sorry, that's the way it, it is. Worked. I thank it you for worked. the call. Um, you know, the Constitution, I guess we'll come back and talk a little bit more about this, Wayne, and how does it create an obligation for us to uh, abide by it and live by all these rules? Because, hey, we live in the society, don't we? This is Free Talk Live, 603-435-1105. Join in to the discussion. We'll be right back. This is Free Talk Live, the live August 1st edition. Tonight, joining you, it's Sam. And Wayne. And you can find out more about the show at freetalklive.com. This is a show about your calls. If you make them, you can call up, take control, talk about anything that you want. The number to do that is 603-435-1105. Toll charges do apply. Now, uh... Uh, Wayne, we were talking with Dave in Montana about the Constitution and got kind of a little heated discussion because I, the Constitution, I was certainly there. It's something. It's a document. You were there? I, I was there where Dave is at one point. Oh, okay. thank, thank you for pointing that out. That's <laughs> you said you were, you were there. I was there watching you when they good. signed. Yeah, yeah, you look good for your age. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I, I was there. I, I like I believed. All right. Well, we just we got to get back to the Constitution. You know, if we can if we can get the government and straighten those guys out and elect the right people, if we just elect good people into office, then that will fix it. And 
and you know we'll have a we'll live happily ever after and everything the government tells us will come true so what what's wrong with that uh, belief or or what where, where does it fall short well at one time i think the intent of the constitution in that era was very groundbreaking absolutely and, and a lot of the rights that that are, that are in there are negative rights which basically prevent the government from doing things to us but over time they've basically disregard the constitution they've skirted it they've twisted it they've they're not really uh following it anyway so you can talk about the constitution all you want it's really irrelevant today because it's not being followed and and it's it's being scoffed at by the people in power which always happens yeah you know and and mark makes a, a really great point when it comes to the constitution and and people who say well We've got the Bill of Rights, and the Bill of Rights protects our rights, makes sure that the government can't do all these things. Uh, uh, and to some degree it has, by the way, o- over time. It's just that now they're getting more and more brazen and arrogant to a point where, where you know, over the last hundred years or so, it's really gotten um, shredded. Yeah, and what people don't realize is that, guess what? It doesn't matter what you think the Constitution says. It's because they, they do, the people who understand this and who claim the you know the constitution protects me they don't understand it's it's the six judges the 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 people wearing the black dresses that get to interpret and mm-hmm. decide officially what the constitution means so it doesn't matter what you're reading and think that it means it matters what they say it means doesn't it kill you when it says the second amendment says that the right to bear arms shall not be infringed period period and, and we have how many gun laws on the books right it's 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 amazing and, and of course then you have dc or they, they actually learned this with uh with cannabis they um they tried to outlaw that okay but mm-hmm. you know the, they had just gone through alcohol prohibition which took a constitutional amendment in order to uh to to make make the substance alcohol illegal and created all kinds of crime problems all kinds of uh law enforcement problems uh, it, it create liquor is what came out of uh, drug prohibition because the the people smuggling and always try and concentrate the uh, the illegal substance so that it's easier to transport and so forth. So it creates all of these problems. Well, where was the constitutional amendment for cocaine, for heroin, for cannabis, for uh, you know all of these other substances and things that the government has come out and and banned and said we will come after you if you. Uh, if you have that, of course, they don't say it that way. They say, oh, well, you can't have that, even though, you know, obviously you can. They're just taking away your right, and they're they're going to threaten you with caging or, or extortion if you do. And at one time, you know, law enforcement needed a warrant in order to come to your house and, and, and search, but now they're skirting all that stuff, too. Mm-hmm. There was also something called posse comitatus, which, which forbade the U.S. military from doing police operations within the United States happening all over all over the place and you have police going off to Iraq and to Afghanistan to learn from the troops and then come back you've also got a lot of police hiring Mm ex-military so people who have been over there running running brown people down and shooting them are now coming back to be police and and, I just I got the the mentality I used to work out at the this place in Dallas called CrossFit and there were a bunch of uh, ex or people that were Marines that are in there because this is really intense uh, physical training. It's the same kind of stuff the the guys that made the movie 300 did mm-hmm. to, to train and get them all pumped up. And, you know, they're talking about just chasing this guy down who was injured or something and, and 
murdering him basically and it, and it was fun for them like they were all excited and you know how friends get together and they mm. get talking all excited and except they're talking about hunting down another human being and, and murdering him and it's just like is this the mentality that you want being hired into a domestic police force Not and at then all. then let's give them electroshock torture devices and you know all of this power and radios and everything and, and and most most police officers are not like this, but there there is a disturbing trend going on where there are a lot of ex military and, and and police that have been trained by the military getting in. There's also a lot of gang members who are going in the military now because the as these wars get drawn out further mm-hmm. and further, they lower their standards. Right, and so gang members are coming back with military training, and that's also very dangerous. Yeah, now I've heard that's improving because the economy is tanking, so people have no choice but to go into the military where they can. Uh, be paid mercenaries to to go out and do the bidding of politicians. But, uh, you know, let's go back to this Constitution discussion because I, I say it's how, how did this create an obligation from me from the get-go? I mean, how can one group of people claim rights over others who don't know anything about what they're doing? How does that work? Right. I, I think that we have to at some point agree on, on what the fundamental human rights are. For example, in this article I was reading, regarding growing your own food and having right to your own water and being able to capture rainwater. Mm-hmm. Those, those, to me, are, are inherent uh, human rights. And so we have to decide what those are. And so originally back then, the 1700s, this Constitution, the Bill of Rights, sort of enshrined the, uh, the human rights they wanted in their day um, based on the blinders they had re- with slavery and, all that, and mm-hmm. women and all that stuff. However, today is today, and I think there's some good ideas in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. I think negative rights are something we, we should look at because that limits anybody from encroaching on you. But the positive rights are the ones that really bother me the most, the ones that say one has a right to health care, a right to a home that, that one hasn't earned. Well, the problem with that is who has to provide? If you have a right to health care, if I'm a doctor, does that mean I don't have a right not to provide you service? Well, th- exactly. That, that's the whole problem with positive rights. Who's, who's going to pay for it? I mean, if I have to do all of these things, how, how does all of this work? I mean, that, that's what people don't get. There's always the gun in the room and the government likes to hold up. Well, see, look at these children. We're, mm-hmm. we're saving these, these kids and this is good and, and you shouldn't question it and just pay up. But this isn't the first time this has happened, Sam. You know, there was a really good article, a two-part um, article interview on King World News last week with Jim Rickards about the Roman Empire okay. and, the, and the parallels uh, today to the Roman Empire. And, you know, history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. And there's a lot of similarities oh, yeah. that are striking because the Roman Empire started as a republic, you know, ruled by, by law. For 200 and it, years. And eventually got to be ruled by, uh, by so-called democracy and then, of course, the elite and the, the uh, emperors. And, the, mm-hmm. and then it became bread and circuses and, and you know, military conquests and... And the empire spread itself too thin and, and collapsed. Right. And then the Byzantine, Byzantine Empire started. And what, that, that, what they did there is they simplified society. Again, they went back to honest money. They went back to very low, low taxes. Right, because the Roman Empire, they were, you know, they didn't have this, the brains to do the, the fiat, uh, or I guess the technology. They didn't have printing presses back then to do the fiat currency and uh, keep only a, a portion of the, or a small fraction of the actual money that's in circulation. Uh, they would actually take and clip the gold coins and mm-hmm. pull little bits of gold and, off. And the silver denarius, evidently, what they did is it started out being all silver, and then it ended up being mostly copper and very little silver. And that was the other way they ripped off the troops, because they were paying the troops with this too. And back then, they didn't catch on as quickly as they do today. 
So isn't that the same thing that's happened? Weren't the uh, the U.S. dime and the nickel? The nickel was wasn't it made out of nickel? And yes. The dime was made out of silver. Yes. And, the, and the quarter, half copper. dollar, and dollar were made of silver, and the penny was made of copper. So that's why a dime is smaller than a nickel. And when you ask people why is a dime smaller than a nickel, most of them can't answer you because they don't know what real money is. Yeah. And nowadays, of course, we're facing. Uh, a government that's printing pennies that have a metal content worth about three to four cents. So they can only do that in a fiat system. There's no way to uh, have this exist in a real marketplace. We'll talk about this, get back to the food story. When we get back, this is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, Sunday edition, co-host only. Joining you tonight, it's Sam. And Wayne. And you can join us, find out more about Free Talk Live on the website at freetalklive.com. You can submit stories, rank them, and move them up or down. Make them more likely for us to talk about them on the uh, the show here. So uh, this is the show about your calls. You can uh, join the discussion by calling the call-in number. <laughs> I'm used to saying toll-free but it's not because it's the Sunday show. It's, the number is 603-435-1105. Toll charges apply. Uh, let's go to the phones and to the fun. We have Alex in New Jersey. And Alex, you were uh, wanting to talk about WikiLeaks. What's on your mind? Yeah, that's right. Uh, are you guys familiar with the Afghan War Diaries? I I, I don't think I am. I read through the, the first WikiLeaks uh, story that went through some of the battle reports and things. But what what is it? The Afghan War Diary is a set of leaked uh, events that have happened in Afghanistan from 2004 to 2009. Anytime there's any type of, like, combat operation or someone gets killed or someone gets hurt or there's some type of event, there's a log generated in a database that is saved with the details of the event, who was involved, etc. And that database has been leaked and posted uh, to WikiLeaks, as well as three news outlets, uh, the New York Times, and one in the UK, I think it might be the Daily Mail, I'm not sure, and then one in Germany. So it, this is big news. It's, WikiLeaks is like the number one topic on Google right now, if you go to Google Trends. And uh, the U.S. government is very, very upset at the website's owner, Julian Assange. Now, uh, Julian has been in hiding recently. I mean, he's made media appearances, but he's been obviously very cautious because the Department of Homeland Security and the U.S. government in general would like to assassinate him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, fact, I mean, if they if they classify him as a security threat, they can pretty much fly a drone over him just about anywhere in the world, uh, which any place in the world that doesn't have a military large enough to pose a significant threat to the United States and, and they'll just, you know, send a missile into a car in the middle of a neighborhood or maybe into a, into a house that they think he might be at. They've been doing this in uh, Pakistan and killing about 100 uh, innocent people to uh, to everyone suspected terrorists. So he has, I think, very real reason to uh, to fear for his life, even though what I've heard is that a lot of the stuff. Now, I did read the Times, the New York Times uh, edition of this story the day that it came out read some of these uh, battlefield reports and things, 
uh, a lot of that, that that he's reporting on that's been released to date. Now, I know that, that they're sitting on a lot more information, but that has already been released. Some of these stories have already come out in public. But uh, what did you see in there that caught your interest? Well, that's not really the, uh, the point of my call. The point of my call is that his, his life is in danger, but he has made a brilliant move, in my opinion, to protect his life. On the summary page for the Afghan War Diary download, not on the War Diary page, but on the WikiLeaks website, a mysterious file has been uploaded. It is massive. It's 1.4 gigabytes in size, and uh, there's no description as to what it is except for the title. It's labeled insurance. (laughs) And the the extension on the file is insurance.aes256 which indicates an that the file is encrypted. Mm-hmm. And that's so the that's like the him, current 40-year, uh, you know, get your fastest supercomputer, start hacking at the algorithm, and uh, it might be able to crack it in, in about 40 years, I think. Yeah, we'll achieve liberty before uh, <laughs> they crack that. But um, what's, what's amazing is that if anything happens to him, the people that are on his team can just release the key, yeah. and then everyone who downloaded it will have it. And what's even more brilliant is that because it's encrypted, we don't know what's inside. We don't even know if it's 1.4 gigabytes, because he could have filled it with 900 megabytes of junk data, random data, uh-huh. and the rest of it would be about 100 megabytes of real stuff. So he's dis- it's likely that he disguised the file size, and there's no way to figure out what is possibly in it. The whole thing could be just junk, or it could not be. And I think that this this is like a novel, the way that this is playing out. And oh, yeah. I think that it's a brilliant, ingenious move. I, I would absolutely agree. I mean, uh, how do you how do you face an enemy that that is the United States government? I mean, they have they have operatives. They they have. Uh, all kinds of local tyrants under their thumb, so to speak. But they're built to fight a certain way, you know, and, and when someone like this comes along, they're just not equipped to, to battle do battle with him on an even playing field because he's nimble, he's clever, he's um, he doesn't have to coordinate with all these different field commanders. Yeah, you know, and then who knows where his next source is coming from. He's almost becoming kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy by getting a hold of quality information and working to release it, he becomes more well-known and more people consider, uh, you know, sending stuff in, I think, when they come across these shocking things. And I, I hope that people do that. Uh, I, I think the uh, the administration is involved in a lot of criminal behavior, and it's taking this kind of information, putting it out in front of the public. The government doesn't like it because it shows that they, they've been standing up lying to people, that, that what they're t- t- saying to us about the their wars and about their um, their mission and all the things that they're doing over in Afghanistan and Iraq is is really nonsense. In that New York Times story was a a, a police lieutenant or captain chief, whatever it was, uh, who rented a taxi and drove like 10, 20 miles away to the military base to ask them for money for gasoline because he doesn't he doesn't even have a car. He needs a car, too. He, by the way, he didn't even have the money to get out there in the taxi cab. So he's like, hey, I need you to pay the taxi. I need you to get me a ride back to uh, the base and a, a car to actually patrol the, the area that I've been assigned would be helpful, too. And, you know, we don't we don't have money to do anything. 
So how you can expect some, you know, local authorities with absolutely no resources to all of a sudden just take over? It's, it's not going to happen. Alex, any other right. thoughts? Well, no, I, I think that this is setting the stage for a new era in what war actually means. What do you mean by that? Wars, because it, instead of being wars with bullets, it's wars with bits. And information. And information, yeah. And right. truth. So thanks because... for taking my call tonight, guys. Okay, thank you, Alex. Uh, Wayne, did you have uh, something else you wanted to, uh, to add? Well, yeah, because what's happening, of course, is that we, we kind of, we've been living in this, this uh, storm and, of lies for, and deception for so long, mm-hmm. and now it's all, come, it's all crashing down and people are telling the truth and it's just, it's really wreaking havoc with, with the establishment powers. Yeah. And, and they're becoming increasingly desperate to keep a lid on, on all the things they've been up to. You know, they learned, I think, from Vietnam that uh, the American people don't like to see the violence inherent in the system that they're supporting. They don't like to, to see the pictures of the, you know, the dead bodies laying over there, and uh, both of Americans as well as uh, the, the country that they happen to be invading. And uh, they've they've kind of backed off and pulled all that footage off while Al Jazeera's and some of the other news networks that actually have some credibility, uh, they're they're publishing that stuff. People are seeing what's going on. But over here, the media is controlled. They, they, they are basically stenographers that work at the White House and sit there and copy down whatever it is the press secretary tells them they don't ask any real challenging questions when they do they're never followed up and a lot of the media basically read talking points from from the government from the white house depending on what side of the controlled opposition spectrum they're on and and it's all it's really crashing down and, and they're getting increasingly desperate and it's a, it's both exciting and scary at the same time yeah because while it's crashing they know that people are waking up you know more than in greater numbers than they've ever seen before their their propaganda machine is starting to sort of sputter out and they're hitting the gas and it's like the muffler fell off it's the car's not really accelerating it in some cases it's actually the engine blows up in their face and they end up broken down on the side of the road with a lot of these programs like global warming that really sort of blew up in their face when it came out that, oh, the earth is actually warming and the ice caps on Mars are melting. And, you know, there's all these things that just don't jive up with your so-called science. So the truth is getting out there. This is the, I think, the equivalent that society went through when the printing press came about. The Gutenberg press. Yeah. yeah, The the common people had access to literature, to the Bible and, and so forth. Yeah, well, the Gutenberg Press allowed uh, the common person to actually interpret the Bible themselves rather than have waiting or being dependent on the priest and their church to do so for them. And, and of course, that started a, a, the Reformation, and we're going through the beginning stages of, of a new Reformation. Absolutely, I would agree. All right, we will uh, come back and get back to this story that we started at the beginning of the hour. We may have to recap it here for hour number two which is coming up, and you can call in, join the discussion, 603-435-1105. It's the Sunday edition of Free Talk Live. Welcome to the Sunday night edition of Free Talk Live, where you're in control. We love taking your calls. The Sunday night number is 603-435-1105. We'd love to hear from you. And this is Wayne. And Sam. And we're just waiting for some great calls. We also have a story we'd like to talk about a little later still about the federal government wanting to control your water. 
But first, Sam has a little message. Hey, everybody. Go to English.freetalklive.com if you'd like to make 20 to $30 an hour all online from your home. Uh, you'll be conducting English conversations on Skype with folks from other countries like Japan, for example. So get this. They will pay you handsomely to help keep their keep up their already learned English. Let's say Kiko. Did I say that right? Keiko. Keiko. Damn it. It's all right. Let's say Keiko from Japan knows that if uh, she doesn't use it, she will lose it. She needs your. She needs you for your natural speaking English gift. I said that wrong too, but I think they get the point. So uh, get the ebook and discover how to find these passionate people who will pay you to to talk on Skype. Uh, so check out English.freetalklive and start your online online English conversation business. That's English.freetalklive.com. You'll love yourself for it. Keiko will love talking with you, Sam. Yes, she will. She'll pay you handsomely because you're so handsome. <laughs> All right, Wayne. Let's. We got a story we uh, started out here in the first hour and didn't get very far through it. It was it was talking about the government wanting to sort of regulate not just. Uh, uh, rainwater collection, but also gardens and things that people are growing. And it just shows how, uh, you know, the government is trying to really sort of lock down what people can do and what access they have to resources and so forth. Uh, what, what else uh, did we not get into in that story? Well, we, we were, the story opened up when we read about the first third of it before one of the previous breaks, where there was a lot of evidence uh, showing how with, with some of these new laws being passed, how the federal government is starting to really want to regulate small farms and even individual gardens, uh, probably to help their friends in the agribusiness industry, for one. But secondly, also, because it is a very strong instrument of control over society when government has control over the food supply, and they seem to be cracking down more and more on it if they want to. And I think it's it's an area that we all really have to non-cooperate with and resist because it's, it's it's a vital area. And then, of course, when you get into food, you also talk about water, and there are several states now that, that are basically uh, telling the residents that they can't collect rainwater from their, their house, from their roof when it rains. Well, I, I mean, what is the, the point of this? Control. I, well, <laughs> I mean, are they, if, if somebody collects rainwater, say, you know, you've got gutters on your roof that pour into an underground storage tank. I think that's how some of these systems work. And then they have a little filtration system under there. And you can use it for uh, watering like your garden or, or whatever. If you're pouring that water on the ground, it's it's going back into the ground. Some of it's going to be evaporated. But are these people saying that they have control over liquid, over well, water? Well, the government is, is saying that the water belongs to everybody. So you can't hoard it, let's say. And it, it's mostly from the states I've seen is mainly the western states that like Utah, Washington, Colorado. Okay. The drier states where water is, is a more precious resource. Here, you know, we all have wells and we don't really think twice about it because we get more, a lot more rain than they do there. Mm-hmm. But in some of those western states where they have droughts and, and they have a shortage of water and they have a big influx of population, they're trying to uh, overregulate water. And of course, be, we're, we're, it's important to remember that this is the government monopoly paradigm. Uh, this is the so-called privatiza- privatization that people are, uh, you know, so has or so quick to point out when when it comes to uh, like Blackwater or something like this, or something like those guys. But this is a monopoly as well. They're granting privilege to their buddies in industry to uh, run this water plant. Most of the time, it's the city that's actually running the whole thing and has taken it over. 
and they they're disconnected from the marketplace. They don't have the uh, the, the desire to innovate. They I, I doubt water purification technology has has seen any great strides or or anything like that or any great innovations over the last fifty years because they don't have any driver to. They keep doing it the same way. They're they're probably using the same recycling methods. Whereas who knows what we would see in the private market. Well, I agree with you, Sam. And and but this is another sign because. These things have happened before throughout history. Again, if you look at the Soviet Union, if you look at Nazi Germany, if you look at a lot of these oppressive regimes that have uh, risen and fall, uh, fell throughout history, one of the things they do is they control the food and, and very often the water as well because those are vital. In fact, mm-hmm. you can go without uh, uh, food a lot longer than you go without water. Right, yeah. So uh, what else is uh, in the in there? What other things are they well, bringing in? Well, they're saying the argument from government is that rainwater uh, refills reservoirs and that it's used for the greater good, the greater good thing again. Greater good that they decide. They, they just, they're the deciding what the greater good there. is. Yeah, and they, they need to control all the water so that they can redistribute the wealth is what they're saying. So that's a communist statement. Right. Now, so that can be a valid point if it's done correctly, but really uh, some are pointing out that roughly 90% of all the water that falls to the ground is rain is either evaporated or seeps into the ground and is absorbed by plants, which means that only about 3% is actually used for human consumption. Individuals and organizations in local communities are now fighting asinine water harvesting res, um, restrictions because they are, how should we put this, ridiculous on their face and a gross and uh, direct violation of our very right to life. Water is, is vital to life, and so is food. Mm-hmm. Now, no one has the the obligation to provide you with food by force. However, you do have the right, I believe, to harvest your own water and 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 your food and and to support yourself and to buy from a local farmer, maybe because you choose to to buy that way rather than buying in the supermarket. Right, as long as he's got the proper regulations and permits. Right. Well, that's what they say, but of course, I don't believe that. <laughs> well, how are you gonna you're you're gonna get bad food? You're gonna die. Well, if I do, I do. <laughs> I'm not going to worry about it. Of course, yeah. like the farmer would have an incentive to, uh, I would think, give you food that's not going to kill you. It might a be lo- bad Yeah, an individual reputation. farmer is going to have a lot more incentive than, than a big agribusiness company that really doesn't give a rat's behind about your health. They just want to make money and, 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 and shove rotten food down your throat. Okay. And they're going to grow it someplace on the other side of the country and ship it over here green so it's not going to have the same nutrients. Yeah, and, uh, you know, food is, uh, there's, the government... People look back, okay, at the 1930s, and you, we all have the picture of the the government breadlines of people. The, there's the one from Russia where you've got the the armed soldiers standing in front of a mile long line of people waiting to get their daily loaf of bread from the government. And I don't think people understand that that's that's going on today. I mean, it, it's not in the same form. There's a difference in that today we have technology. And rather than having uh, these food distribution centers, they actually have gotten a little smarter and they've turned it over to the gro- to the market grocery stores. I mean, this is food is probably one of the most complex uh, mm-hmm. ecosystems or markets that's out there. I mean, if you think about it, when you walk into your local grocery store, there's there's produce from all over the world right there any time of the year. I mean, you you can get basically anything: grapes from California, avocados from South America, 
you name it, it's there. And there's there's not this big overriding uh, government bureaucracy that that makes sure everybody has the right to food. Well, there was a story back in the '80s when the Soviet Union was was uh, uh, kind of on its way down, but it was still in existence, where somebody from the Soviet Union came to New York to the, the ports there, where they bring in the food and they distribute it, mm-hmm. and and he went there and looked at it and said, "Wow, this is incredible. Who runs this?" And they said, "Nobody." What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And now you're hearing people say that healthcare is a right, that healthcare is too important to leave to the free market and the government should do it. It's but what about f- well, food is more important. So you're going to probably going to hear the same argument. Oh yeah. I, well, I mean, and we've already seen this. I, I don't know if it's that they have this overwhelming, the bureaucrats have this overwhelming desire to create this total police state where, uh, you know, everything is controlled and, and uh, daily life is just almost impossible without being in the government system. But yet there are all these these people out there who have been given this little area of power and they're very compartmentalized and so they don't see the big picture and they all want to just keep expanding their power like okay well we're the epa and we gotta we gotta protect this water resource so last week they were talking about banning shower heads that put out too much water here they're talking about on your property collecting rain water that falls on your house so this guy you can use it to grow plants in your garden. I mean, this is outrageous. They're they're uh, trying to control you. They're trying to get you under their thumb. And it's time people stand up and say no. This is Free Talk Live. We'll return after this break. This is Free Talk Live, the live Sunday edition. It is the show about your calls, if you make them, to the not-so-toll-free number, 603-435-1105. You can also find out more about Free Talk Live by joining us online at freetalklive.com or uh, dialing into the listen lines for the Liberty Radio Network. That is uh, 760-569-7753. Tonight, it's Sam here with you. And Wayne. And we are going to uh, continue talking about this, this, uh, these water regulations and sort of this topic, but we have a uh, call. We're going to go to uh, Tom in Connecticut. Tom, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, how's it going? Hey, hey Tom. Great. What's on your mind? Um, I just wanted to uh, talk about the collecting uh, rainwater law. Okay. What are you, uh, what's your uh, thoughts about it? I mean, people need to realize that this law is affecting, you know, grandparents and stuff. I mean, I was talking to somebody online about this law, and they were saying how their grandma lives in the state where it's outlawed, and she collects rainwater. So, I mean, who do you want to throw in jail? Well, you know, in the United Kingdom, there was the grandmother who was uh, growing, I think, cannabis and turning it into little brownies and treats, and she was, I think, 70 or 80 years old. She was giving these out to uh, to other people that had arthritis who were actually receiving, using it as medicine uh, to relieve suffering and pain, and they thought that they would help her out by throwing her in a jail cell. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty absurd. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, it's amazing what they will do. They It's because of this compartmentalization, I think, that we've been talking about. You've got the uh, the bureaucrats who are writing up the regulations and out there enforcing things, and they're not always the one who will, you know, they they don't get to see the 
consequences of their actions they're not seeing their victims being dragged off to jail and their lives being destroyed and they're and they're not also considering the kind of world they're creating for their children and grandchildren either that's very true that's very true because it just keeps building upon itself and until it becomes such the such a massive unwieldy system where it takes several lifetimes to read all of the laws and regulations that the government claims applies to all of us that uh, you know it's, it's it's impossible and getting getting back to uh, i know a lot of people talk about the constitution but you know we talk about natural law sometimes and really the two basic laws are uh, basically to do all you've agreed to do and do not do not aggress against others or their property. And if you follow those two alone, you'll you'll have a lot of friends and very few, if any, enemies. And that's really what this uh, supposed constitutional government was designed to, to, to really create. Is it just an environment where people could be safe, where uh, somebody would come out and protect you in a peace officer capacity when there was a victim? And the courts would act as referees when there was a dispute against people who uh, maybe a, a breach of contract or something. But it wasn't designed to go after people who weren't hurting anybody. Like, and, that's uh, what, and that's what they do. They spend most of their time on now. Yeah, like folks that are using too much uh, water in their shower or, or building a road out on their own property over a water puddle that they'll claim is, oh, that's a that's a sanctuary. So you can't do that. Or grandma... Sorry, we understand that you're trying to save money to water your flowers from rainwater that you're recycling and actually reusing, but no, no, you need to buy it from us. Tom, you have any other thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you talked about this because I just kind of started listening to it, but uh, it, it just doesn't affect the bigger farmers, but it's going to have a huge impact on the smaller ones. You know? And that's part, of the, that's part of the problem is that the big agribusiness companies uh, – are not going to be affected. They can they can afford well, to comply with all these big these laws, and they're oh, yeah. the ones writing the laws to begin with. Yeah, I mean they're the ones the the uh, animal tagging uh, thing that mm-hmm. was proposed last year would allow farmers, cattle farmers, to if they wanted to sell their their cattle to the to a worldwide or at least a national market outside of the state where their cattle was raised, they would have to get this tag. Well, the corporate farmers would have to tag their cattle one one tag for the entire lot. Whereas the independent small guys have to tag every one of their cows, this is an expensive procedure, and it's just it just shows how the, this is the, these laws, these regulations, they're all used to help the big guys sort of isolate themselves from any kind of competition. They know that they can take these regulations on because they've reached a certain size and are big enough, mm-hmm. but uh, the small guys can't. So and this is, and, and by the way, this is not capitalism, and that's the other problem: is a lot of people correctly identify the problem, big corporations. But but you see, making a profit inherently is not the problem. No, it's making a profit by using your political influence to have legislation pass to limit competition, to mandate the use of your product, and to indemnify yourself against a liability from bad products which is that's what not corporations capi- are yeah that's cor- that's corporatism that's not capitalism yeah capitalism is more about the little guy it's more about individuals mom and pop businesses it's about main street yeah and allowing you know, grandma to, to collect rainwater and water her flowers and maybe sell those out front at a roadside stand i mean that happens around here in new hampshire all the time i wish you're saying tax around excuse me excuse me she, I, I didn't follow that, Tom. Can you say it again? But I hope she's paying taxes on that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the call, Tom. <laughs> I doubt it. I, I actually, I hope they are not. You know, when I hear of people saying that I'm running this business and I don't pay taxes, I, I think they're they're uh, heroic. 
for, well, you, for well, taking you know, that stance. When people say, I'm not paying taxes, that's not really completely true because they might not be paying a certain type of tax, but go try to go to the gas station and not pay the gas tax. Yeah. I mean, the, if you're the, using dollars, you're yeah. paying taxes. The federal, the federal and state taxes each uh, are, represent more more uh, profit than the oil companies make on a gallon of gas. You know, I mean, wow. look at your phone bill, look at your electric bill, look at when you go buy an airline ticket. There's all kinds of taxes from all directions. So, um, when people say, "Oh, he doesn't want to pay taxes," well, that's not accurate either. Or if someone says, "I don't pay taxes," mm-hmm. that's not accurate because there's so many taxes you can't even count them; they'll make your head spin. Yeah, absolutely. And where does it all end? Um, well, it ends with the government coming in and on your property and telling you you can't collect rainwater, or, or taxing your your ex uh, your breathing, you know, with cap and trade, which they've been trying to do. And of course, the whole um, uh, the uh, global warming scam kind of uh, collapsed on them this past year. So it's going to be more difficult for them to pass the cap and trade. Luckily, yeah. But that whole thing was cooked up in the back in the '90s with uh, Ken Lay. Remember him from Enron? Oh yeah. yeah. And Al Gore when he was vice president. They ran one of the biggest scams. I, I watched. There's a great documentary out there called "The Smartest Guy in the Room," which uh, goes through all of the the scandals and how they were doing the accounting and and I mean they're basically just creating a market that didn't exist to sell these commodities, and mm-hmm. then uh, you know it was a big scam, pump and dump, and they, and, then, they and carbon made out. trading. You know that cap and trade would create this this big carbon trading bubble, which are just derivatives too. It's it's all it's a joke, and, and of course it would be another bubble that would make the economy look like it was recovering for a while. But it, you're just you're buying and selling nothing. It's just air. Yeah. And there are these groups out there everywhere that are, you know, politically connected. They're working for these big corporations who are unaccountable because that's what a corporation is, people. I mean, when you ask somebody, why do you become, why would you get incorporated? Well, to avoid taxes, to avoid liability. and Protect my assets. Protect your assets. And also, the corporations inherently, when they get really big, have an, have an advantage over individuals because they have a lot more resources to throw their weight around with. Well, and they're a file folder that's been given rights, and then you have the people running the business doing so with almost uh, with impunity. protection and impunity yeah. from their acts. It's, it's, it's a recipe for disaster. So, uh, you know, there's no wonder so many evil things come out of these corporations. You can uh, join in the discussion, 603-435-1105. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, the live co-host-only Sunday edition, coming to you from the Liberty Radio Network studio in Keene, New Hampshire. Joining you on the show tonight, it's Sam. And Wayne. And it is the show about your calls. You can join in, add to the discussion, bring up whatever you like at 603-435-1105. And we actually have a call here from Steve in Florida. Steve, what's on your mind? Hey there, uh, Sam and Wayne. Uh, by the way, you two guys are two of my favorite co-hosts on the on the regular show. So, oh, thank um, you. I'd I'd just like to. Uh, well, first of all, I'm a Free State Project member, and I'll be we'll be moving up there pretty soon. We're going to go on an expedition here in a couple of months. Congratulations! Great, we'd love to meet you. Yeah, I, I can't wait, man. I mean, I'm really like I'm giddy with excitement. I feel like a total <laughs> nerd. <laughs> now, are you coming up here with your whole family or just yourself? Yes, sir. Just uh, it's me, my wife, and my kid. And uh, they're, they're, we're all former, former liberals. I've, uh, I've gone down the road to freedom just a little bit farther than they have, but they're, they're moving right along with me, though, so it's really great. 
Well, libertarians uh, are classical, known as classical liberals. So there's a lot. There's a lot of uh, commonality there. It's just that it's you know the the political paradigm is divided, financial freedom and personal freedom, and we're just putting it all back mm-hmm. together. You got it. Um, what I like to call about is, um, <clears throat> excuse me, on the show on Saturday. I don't know if you guys were listening to it, but man, there was just caller after caller. At least that's what it seemed to me. I haven't I haven't listened to the podcast again, but seemed like there was just caller after caller that were just like just really practically deifying the troops. Yes. You know, it's like you say troops, and even your your um, run of the mill liberal Democrat, let's say, guy who voted for Obama. Even a guy like that is, is, I don't know if it's if he's scared to show his true feelings about the troops or if he really does believe, you know, for example, well, I'm against the war, uh, but, boy, I support the troops and I really well, that, thank them. All they've see, done Steve, for that's, and- that's the propaganda. I mean, they, they feed the American people that. Well, mm-hmm. that, that was the talking point that went out years ago when, uh, you know, support for all of these continuing wars was starting to wane as well. You can disagree with the with the this conflict. You may not agree with it, but you have to support the troops because they're just doing their job. Well, you know the the, the troops are, are basically um, misinformed. A lot of them, and, and you know, right. I support. See, they they really think they're doing the right thing. Yeah, they're brainwashed. But, yeah. into you're you're protecting America. You're fighting for our and freedoms. So, so their intent, yeah. I support. I, I support their their intent to to protect us. However. Of course, in reality, we know that's not what they're really doing. And so right. that's where the problem lies. And, and so it, it's very difficult sometimes to find the right way to communicate that with them. Sometimes they yeah. find it out on their own when they're over there for a while and they realize it's a bunch of baloney. And they're not yeah, really fighting well. for what they, told, what they were told when they were in the recruiter's office. Right. And, and I, I'm actually a, uh, a veteran myself. And in fact, I, I'm a veteran of the first Gulf War on paper. Uh, I, I didn't actually go over there. I was 7,000 miles from uh, the Persian Gulf when it happened, but at least I'm a vet uh, of that war on paper. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been trying to uh, think back and, and to think of how brainwashed I was. And I know I was. I mean, you know, you can't go through what, they, what those guys go through and not be Affected a little bit that, brainwashed. Yeah. And, and as far as what you're saying about the intent, uh, let's, um, let's do this, shall we? Uh, let's say if there was a there was a group of guys, uh, and and they thought that they were protecting uh, your freedom, your rights, and in fact your very safety by kicking all black dogs in the face. I got bit by um, a black dog when I was a kid, so that definitely would protect you, me. You you got it, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's that's what they do. They walk around and they kick black dogs in the face, and in their minds, uh, they're really doing something really good. So should we applaud their intent, uh, or should just we should we just say, hey, you know, screw those guys. They out there kicking a bunch of dogs. You well, see what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, well I don't applaud their actions, uh, but uh-huh. I do. Uh, but I, I and I don't applaud their their intent. But I do understand that their intent uh, is is, um, is is good, even though it's misguided. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, if you could sit down and and talk to one of these black dog kickers, you would say, <laughs> look, man, I mean. You know, I, I know I know what you think you're doing. I know what you're trying to do. But, buddy, let me tell you, it just it ain't working. I, I was trying to, when you said that, I was try, trying to think about that. Because, you know, I, and I'm one of those guys that sort of uh, one of my guilty pleasures is that uh, once in a while, not often, not every day, certainly, 
I'll get on the internet and I'll really try to get these, you know, I love the troops people a bit riled up. And <laughs> I, I've been sick for the last few days, so I've been doing that actually, <laughs> sitting on my couch. And and it's really easy to get them riled up, you know. I mean, all you got to do is just say anything, anything yeah, it, bad about the troops, it, and they're just they're up your ass, man. Yeah, because they're and, uh, they're not their positions aren't based in logic. They're just they're just repeating the talking points, and that's where the anger comes and from. The emotion. Because they, they yeah. can't logically explain their position. It's just, well, they told me it was freedom. Are you telling me that the government's lying to me, boy? Right. Well, and then one of them even challenged me. He thought, you know, he thought he was just going to just smash me in my position and my argument, my philosophy and everything by saying, oh, yeah, well, I bet you can't even tell us where we got our freedom from, can you? You know, because he's <laughs> the guy saying, you know, we got it from the military. And I said, well, yeah, well, okay, in his... And as much as we have a modicum of freedom, uh, you know, let, let's discuss that, you know, because we'll disagree on that when, if we get into that too deep, uh, me and this guy that is. Uh, you know, I said there was a revolution against a uh, tyrannical government about 200 and something years ago. Uh, it was formed by a loose confederation of states uh, or colonies who each had their own militias. And then immediately after the revolution was won, these mission, these militias were disbanded, yep. and then the intellectual leaders of that revolution spent the rest of their lives talking about how dangerous standing armies are to uh, to uh, personal liberty, to to human freedom. Of course, and that's and, why and they put the requirement. That that's why they put the requirement in that there shall be no standing army in their constitution, and said that mm-hmm. you know the funding has to be approved only for two years. So nowadays, we of course have this massive the world's largest military weapon of of mass destruction that the planet has ever seen that we know of and uh you know they just reauthorize funding every two years so that makes it all okay doesn't it steve sure yeah of course <laughs> uh, and 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 i know you you two fellows are you know that's actually uh uh another thing that i'd like to add in fact not i don't want to shoot off my big mouth about it I, i'd like to ask you guys because i know you guys are really up on this stuff as far as that reauthorizing funding, Ron Paul, for example, uh, the closest thing we have to a hero in Congress, um, he always votes against these funding measures, and he's always criticized by people for you know because they say, "Oh yeah, you're not supporting the troops. You want the troops to go out there. You know, you, you don't want them to have any food or armor or anything like that, and that doesn't affect the war." I, I think what I'm trying to say is, uh, if, if one of you guys were in Congress and you voted against that, what what would be your justification? How uh, because you would you would get attacked in that way. People would say, you know, you're not supporting the troops. Yeah, you, yeah. You want them to go out there unprotected and so. Well, yeah, I found it really interesting during during the Ron Paul campaign that Ron Paul had more co- campaign contributions from military and, and retired military than all the other True. candidates in both parties put together. So it's yeah. I don't think they think that. I think they understand that they they don't want to be put in harm's way unnecessarily. I, I, th- I think they, a lot of them know that, especially after they've been in, on duty for a while and they can see what's going on. And, and they also understand that the, the constitutional duty of, of our government, if there is one, is being grossly violated for special interests that we don't see. And what we're told uh, on, on, in the mainstream media about the reasons for the war and, and, and is just is, is their lies. Yeah, and this is, this is one of the common games and tactics that the politicians use we see the same thing happening, you know, well, if you don't want to uh, reapprove this funding for the entire military industrial complex, then you obviously don't want the troops to have the things that they need. 
this is what happens when they're talking about sh- uh, cutting the budget of the local police department or the sheriffs. That what do they immediately do? Well, we're crime. not we're not going to be able to come out and uh, take a look at at burglaries and things. Sorry, you're going to be on your own. So they right. create this this propaganda of fear and and so forth. And Steve, when you get up here to New Hampshire, there was a support the troops event at a local bar where they played a song and got everybody to stand up. Nobody stood. It was it was fantastic. You're going to love it up here. Uh, thank you for the call, Steve. We'll be back. Thank this you is very much. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, the live Sunday edition. It is the show about your calls, if you make them. 603-435-1105. Tonight, it's Sam here with you. And Wayne. And this is the show about your calls, so we're going to go directly to them. And we'll talk to uh, Dave in New Hampshire. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. Hey, Dave Ridley from RidleyReport.com. How the you doing, The famous sir? Dave Ridley. That is me. Uh, yeah, I had a couple thoughts about uh, those topless protests that went on a couple weeks ago in Keene. Right, the uh, the Keene, New Hampshire, uh, the, it wasn't actually a protest that it started out, but uh, there uh, there is an event, uh, a uh, Topless Tuesdays event that has sort of come about, <laughs> and it's, it's generated a lot of press recently, Wayne, because the, one of the locals, one of the Keene natives, Heike, uh, was out there. She was topless, took her shirt off, and had one of the artists, one of the free staters who does uh, oil paintings and so forth, was painting on her breasts, which were exposed. And while all this was going on, she was enjoying a nice adult beverage, a, a beer, and uh, she was arrested uh, along uh, uh, with uh, several other people who then stood in front of the car because this peaceful woman was being kidnapped from the park. And it it just has created a lot of controversy, a lot of discussion. And uh, Dave, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, instinctively, I think she got a lot of things right. I mean, I think she got a lot of things right on instinct. And I just, it's kind of rare to see someone who stands up for their rights without a lot of practice. Right. Um, and that was really cool. But overall, that demonstration, you know, it could have it could have been better in the sense that, like, I'll, I'll watch pretty closely. Uh, I'll watch the, uh, I guess, demonstration, not the word, but the reaction to the cops, I think, could be improved. Because you look at, like, at the public opinion on unionleader.com, comment section, or the comment section on Free Keen, or, uh, I'm sorry, on uh, the Keen Sentinel, it's unusually negative, the public response. And that's that's not really, that. normally we get quite a bit of public support. And I think one of the reasons is the yelling at cops, which she wasn't mostly doing. But um, I, I would just, I think the the better approach well, it would probably be just to, just to sing "We Shall Overcome." You know, yeah, it's, I would like to see something like that happen, and I think eventually we'll probably see that. But the problem is, when these things go down, it, it's not always planned. This was not planned to be a, a mass civil disobedience event. The people that went to jail weren't planning on going to jail. You know, they were, this started out when there were just four or five people out in the park and, you know, had this little painting thing going on. I actually rode up the the first time the cops came out was because there was a guy filling up water bottles from the public water fountain. So somebody called the police on that. And then they came and harassed him over the beers and then returned later and and made the arrest and so forth. So, uh, you know, it's it's hard to sort of, there is no central authority, no way to to direct everybody now. Here's what we're going to do. We're all going to sing because... 
inevitably, when government sort of steps in and interferes in people's lives, people get angry because you're you're having force being used against you. And uh, I would agree with you, Dave. I, I think there's a lot of negative comments in the uh, in the press. I think part of that is the fact that the press is sort of misrepresenting the story. Now, I was able to get a hold of the union leader when the story first came out. Uh, they had talked about people walking on police cars or walking on the hoods, jumping on the hoods of police cars, which just was not happening. But that paints this picture in people's minds of they also oh, they also use the word nude, which nude is, uh, you know, being having no clothing or, or uh, permitting full display of the body. And so to say that a topless person is nude or half nude, that's like sort of being half pregnant. It just it doesn't work, you know. So there's all this misrepresentation going on in the press, and they've reprinted the lie. Even after the same paper corrected it, they later wrote an editorial and repeated the comment about people jumping on the hoods. So Classic when you, propaganda. Yeah, when you have a mainstream media who's repeating the government's line, you have a uh, police department that's getting the facts wrong and stretching the truth, and then a newspaper that comes back along and... And that's what happened with the jumping on cars comment. She said uh, sitting on the hood or something like that, which sort of happened. And then the editor took that and turned it into they were walking on the on top of the police car, which was just a total fabrication. So we got that corrected, but they still came back with that lie. But if that's the case, then was somebody charged with damaging the police car? No, because it didn't happen. Yeah. So, Dave, what are your uh, what you, you think, though, that really it's the. Just the the yelling, the way the activists are there, or I, I tend to think that it's more the fact that there are a lot of people who are very uh, Puritan. They they've been taught that the body's bad and and it's it's naughty. It's something that you should not be allowed to see, and and uh, we have to protect the children from uh, seeing the way that they're born. I, I don't know. I, I think people have a lot of uh, preconceived notions about these things, and I think that's uh, sort of creating a lot of the backlash. Yeah, I think that's part of it. Um, and I, oh, by the way, I think what you did by contacting the press was spot on. You did it fast. You contacted the right people. I assume you were polite. Yep. You know, yep. and you got you got a, a warning, a you know, shot across the bow for them that these people will stand up and defend themselves when they're misrepresented. Yeah, I basically contacted the newsroom and asked them if they were going to print a um, uh, oh, what's it called a retraction to get some of the facts right, correct, they put me in touch with the newspaper reporter who actually called me on a couple other stories down the road, and I was able to get, you know, call out on the radio to find out what what was going on that day with the activists who were out on the scene and report that back. So it's it's made a huge difference, not just on this story, but now it's opened up sort of a line of communication between the activist side of the story and the uh, the newspaper. Right. They need that. They need people that they're easily contacted. Um, and, yeah, as far as the singing We Shall Overcome, I, I, mean, I think that's the perfect song to sing, and it really only takes one person to start singing it. People will either follow along or they won't. But, uh, I mean, I'm just, that's what I'm planning on doing the next time I'm in a certain type of situation. I probably won't do it if I'm just pulled over or something. You want to give us any... Uh, or any... something like that, Okay, I'd probably sing it. All right. Yeah. You know, I I hope that people will do that. I think this is sort of a learning process that uh, the movement, I guess, or the the activists are are sort of learning as they go. You know, I think if you look back a year ago at the protests, the way that they are, what happened a couple of weeks ago here in Keene with the mass arrest 
was far, far more peaceful, far more calm than, say, the first time they came in for the uh, 420 arrest and we had the local kid who was screaming freedom right in the cop's ear about a foot from it. Now, Dave, how often, you, David, how often do you get it over to Keene these days? Oh, I don't know, about every, I would say every three months. Three months? That's you used to get, it seems like you used to get out here a lot more often than that. I used to live there. That would do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Dave, uh, any other suggestions or thoughts related to this issue? Nothing off the top of my head. All right, well, thank you for the call. Um, I want to, while we're on this subject, I want to go, go back through and... Uh, Talk about uh, sort of an update that's happened. Now, Heike was arrested a few days later. She went back to uh, Rich Paul's arraignment. Now, he was put before the the uh, judge there, uh, Burke. He's a local judge here, uh, district court judge in, in Keene, New Hampshire, municipal court. And uh, he asked him, are you happy with your $1,000 bail that he had just set for him? And Rich Paul replied, if you're happy and you know it, shake your chains and <laughs> shook his chains that he was in. <laughs> well, apparently that made him such a threat to the uh, community that his bond was raised to $5,000 because, you know, for these judges to bring their own personal bias in, that would be improper for them to do. So clearly the only reason could have been, Wayne, is because that made him more of a danger to the community. And uh, they also, uh, so when he comes into court, uh, nobody stood up for the judge. And, of course, they're used to people showing them respect because, hey, they're, uh, they're not equals to us. They're our superiors. They, they get to judge us. And, they arrest and everybody in court for not standing? No. They, uh, when actually Rich Paul came in, the activists, some of, a lot of them stood up. They were thrown out of court, out of a public hearing for standing at the wrong time and you know, not creating a disturbance. Well, he uh, probably feels rejected. So Heike gets outside with the megaphone and starts talking on the megaphone. Oh, boy. <laughs> what <laughs> well, was she saying? I, I don't know. I, I heard it was about Burke, and that may have had something to do with it. Uh, he's he's very temperamental. He's a very dangerous, unstable man. He's he's prone to uh, ang- fits of rage and anger and screaming mm. at people in court. We've Medication, got several videos probably. of that. I don't know what is wrong with the man. Uh, besides, you know, displaying all of his antisocial behavior. But uh, she was arrested. The police came up. She wasn't even using the megaphone anymore. That was only a few minutes long because they were just thrown out of a public hearing. So they decided to protest and they just came up and arrested her uh, right off the bat. And then somebody, Heike didn't even have the megaphone. Uh, there was somebody else that had a megaphone there and the police just come up and took it right from her and said, if you don't give that up, it's going to be a felony. We're going to charge you with a felony for uh, holding this evidence or whatever. And today I saw a paper where the Keene police is asking the court to destroy or sell the megaphone. So they're trying to steal people's megaphones and destroy them because they don't like free speech. Well, that's probably not going to work too well with the uh, Liberty activists. We tend to come back. This is Free Talk Live, the live Sunday edition of the show. You can join in and talk about anything by calling 603-435-1105. You can join us on the website. Find out more at freetalklive.com. There's a shrine of female listeners where you can see some of the lady listeners on the show. Visit that by going to shrine.freetalklive.com. Hey, everybody. 
Welcome to the interwebs. Yes, this is so cool. Did you know there are smart folks all over the world who need to meet you? Why? Well, if you're from an English-speaking country, then check out english.freetalklive.com right this very second to find out. If you're listening to this podcast, then pause it right now and check out the site. Go to english.freetalklive.com and discover how to create your own online business. All you need to get started is this ebook, the internet, Skype, a webcam, and a microphone. What an inexpensive way to become your own boss that oversees rewarding and challenging job uh, that requires your unique creativity and passion. Pause the podcast and visit english.freetalklive.com right now. Of course, it's we are live, but those people who do listen by the podcast later, which you can uh, go to Free Talk Live and download for free. All of the uh, features on the website are free, and it's probably more than most of the sites who make you pay will uh, will give you once you get into their pay section of the website. There are uh, several years' worth of archives, freetalklive.com. Okay, Wayne, uh, we have been talking about, we started out the show actually talking about some rainwater uh, regulations and how the the government's stepping in to make sure that people are held accountable and they pay all of their taxes. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that they uh, they set the example for that kind of behavior. And I think we've got a story here from uh, Bay Journal that was submitted to uh, freetalklive.com. Uh, titled Federal Government Exempts Itself from DC Water Fees. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> what? Why why wouldn't they, they exempt pay it the themselves? Water? They can exempt themselves from taxes and fees and we can't? Well, now this is uh th- there is precedent for this. In Great Britain, the uh they have the the VAT tax, the value added tax, which means it's just a decimating uh blow to any local economy. Anytime goods or services exchange hands, they add this seventeen percent value added tax to the to the transaction where the government comes in and basically steals from business owners and people selling their their goods and services in every step of the process so it's it's crippling to local economies and, and the European the, economy is in shambles from it from that and many of the other ridiculous things they're doing over there that they're trying to bring here. Right, but uh, the, the politicians, they seem to be doing okay because the same thing. They've exempted themselves from some of these regulations. They don't pay the uh, the, the outrageous tax on automobiles, which almost mm-hmm. double the price. They don't pay for the a lot of the VAT taxes and so forth. And wouldn't it be nice to uh, run a little fiefdom where you get to pass all of these taxes on to your serfs and you just write yourself a little exemption and say, oh, no, no, see, this doesn't apply to me. We wrote it down right here. It says, does not apply to me. That's right. In fact, I remember reading an article maybe six months ago that a lot of the bureaucrats that run the European Union pay a fraction of the taxes that the ordinary person does over right. there. Yeah. And most of the regulations and so-called laws over there now are all passed by unelected bureaucrats. They are. Okay, so uh, the federal government has told the District of Columbia Water and Sewer Authority, that the city's environment department or of and the city's environment department, that it will not pay new fees assessed on all residents, a move that could shift the burden of paying for the federally required upgrades to the sewage system city residents who to city residents who can least afford it. Mm-hmm. Now, th- now these are these are regulations, federal regulations that they've put in place that say and, and this just happened here in uh, in Keene. It happens to towns across America. 
the EPA and, and through all of their nonsense and ever-expanding regulations and new requirements and so forth have required tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars in, in uh, costly upgrades to the infrastructure. If you actually go in and do you know any kind of repairs, then you have to rebuild it to their new standards, even if your current system has worked for 100 years. No, 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 you have to do it our way. And we're we're going to lay all the requirements out for you, but we don't want to pay for it. No towns, you have to pay for it. So here, when Not it comes to mandate. yeah, when it comes to themselves, they're actually passing the buck on to residents. So all of their facilities and so forth that need these upgrades, mm-hmm. they won't even be paying for it. Not that they would pay for it anyway, because the taxes are all stolen from the people. But isn't it true though that the federal government does? I mean, they've got a lot of people employed in that area of the District of Columbia. So wouldn't you say that they're probably using a lion's share of the resources, the water and sewer resources in, in that area? Probably. So are, now, are you saying that the uh, the employees of the federal government will end up being the ones paying for this? No, what I'm saying is is that you have the people who live there who, who don't work for the federal government who are being forced to pay for something that the federal government's using. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, a resource, sewer and water, they're using a lot of that there in that in that area. Mm-hmm. And and of course, if you look at that, the way that whole region um, has grown is because of the growth of the federal government. And Absolutely, it, it's built into Virginia and some of the surrounding states too, mm-hmm. and, and Maryland, and 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 you know, they this is typical though. They 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 do this all the time. But in in, in D.C. because that's where the that's where the belly of the beast is, they've decided they don't want to pay for what they've mandated. <laughs> everyone else to do and do as even, i say not as i do and they don't even want to pay for what they're using yeah that's it's ridiculous in april the government accountability office declared the tax assessed on impervious services a tax and or the, the declared the fee assessed on impervious services a tax and that the federal government is tax exempt isn't that nice? <laughs> in an April 13th letter to the D.C. Water and Sewer Authority attained by the Washington Examiner, an attorney for the GAO, that's the Government Accountability Office, wrote, Based upon preliminary our preliminary review, the stormwater changes adopted by the district appear to be a tax on property owners. Accordingly, uh, we are instructing the Department of Treasury not to make the payment to the district from GAO's appropriations. On April 15th, the paper reported the Navy also wrote to WASA calling the fees uh, an impermissible tax on the federal government. WASA received similar notification from uh, the general and all these bureaucracies. So when one does it, all the other ones jump in and say, oh, me too, me too, we're exempt. But you know what the interesting part about this story, though, is the District of Columbia is not a state. No, no. So, you know, there's, there, there are different legal issues here than there would be if, if it were in a state. Well, there's also that. Um, but in, in reading this, you know, the, it's amazing to me that they just get to decide. I mean, what would happen to you, Wayne, if you just decided, um, yeah, the property tax bill, I, I don't really support your, your schools. I'm just going to not pay the portion for education. That's about 50%. So I'll take this property tax bill that's $2,300, and I'm going to pay you eleven fifty. How about that? Great. Okay, I've exempted myself. What are you going to do? Well, you could do it for a little while, but eventually men with guns come to your house and say uh, you have 30 minutes to vacate. And Yeah, they'll and, send you letters. They'll send and, you letters. Yeah. And you'll say, no, 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 I exempted myself. I'm, I'm not uh, subject to this tax. Thank you. And then the men with guns come, and they, they'll, eventually they they'll do. take your home and, and make it their home. 
and they'll throw you out on the street. They'll sell it out from under you, and they'll call it justice. I uh, guess it's not your home then. <laughs> it wouldn't be anymore. Nope, they would steal it right out from under well, you. Well, I mean, is it your home really now? Or is it? Aren't you just a glorified renter? You're, you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, my little daughter, when we were looking at houses a few years ago, at the time she was probably nine years old, she says, she says, you know, if if you own it, then why do you have to pay them? <laughs> I was amazed she she got that. Oh, shoot. I We have callers. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> Sorry, while you're talking, I'm trying to work the phones over here, and I uh, we have caller. We had a caller on hold who I believe I just hung up on. Uh, <laughs> you're a rotten man, you know that, I Sam? Am, <laughs> <laughs> I am horrible. I'm trying to figure out the phones here. All right, one more thing here from this story, and then we'll get to these uh, phone calls. The decision not to pay the fee comes at a time when President Barack Obama... Barry Sataro, for those of you who know his real name, uh, issued an executive order promising that the federal government would take the lead in the Chesapeake Bay cleanup, urging that all citizens to do their part. I guess they don't have a part to play in uh, paying for their own regulations and other nonsense. We'll, uh, we'll talk about this. We'll get into your phone calls when we come back. 603-435-1105 is the number. You can call in and join us on the air. This is Free Talk Live. Hello. <laughs> this is Free Talk Live, the show about your calls, if you make them. 603 435 11.05. It is the show where sometimes the co-host says annoying things into the microphone. Tonight, it's Sam here with you. And Wayne. And we're going to go straight to your calls. We've got uh, David in Keene. David, you're on Free Talk Live. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, how you doing, David? What's on your mind? I'm good. Um, I was going to ask a question about something that was said earlier. Okay. Um, it had to do with the support our troops um, phrase and um, that um, something about that happened somewhere in field and stand up or something. Yeah, that was actually all. Let me uh, explain that a little bit just to sort of recap for our listeners who maybe didn't hear that segment. And, you know, we were also running into the break there. This was uh, at one of the uh, karaoke nights. That's one of the regular uh, Saturday night events here. They go to various uh, bars and places around. And there's uh, one particular bar in town where we went to. And I guess at 11.30 or a, a certain time every night, the uh, DJ plays uh, on, the, on the radio, God Bless America. And uh, he encouraged everyone on the microphone to uh, stand up to show support for the troops. <laughs> now it was kind of empty in there. There were um there was an, there were two tables. Basically the all of the free staters or the liberty activists were standing there sitting there at one table about 25 people and then there was another table of about uh 6 or 8 folks um and when that came on everybody was sitting down and nobody <laughs> just kind of it, it felt a little awkward. I looked around saw nobody else even about to get up. Uh, after a minute or yeah. so, I turned around, looked over my shoulder, and saw the other six or eight people standing there drinking their beers and, and you know, looking at us like, why aren't they standing up? And the DJ got on the uh, microphone and said, come on, guys, even if you don't support the war, you got to support the troops. They're just, you know, they're just uh, doing their job. And, and we're like, no, I'm sorry. 
we don't have to support uh, the immoral and illogical actions of others. I'm I'm not going to blindly just follow the the propaganda because it's popular. I'll I'll take the the criticism and, and, uh, you know, whatever fallout comes out of that, but it's what I believe in, and and I believe in acting in a a manner that's uh, consistent with my beliefs. What are your thoughts, David? Uh, oh, I don't know. The only thing that do you all like? I mean, in that particular instance, does that mean um, you don't quote unquote support the troops? That's what I would say it means. Um, Wayne, you want to? I, I support human beings who call themselves the troops. What I don't support is, is the the um, overlying intentions of the war. That, that really, unbeknownst to them, are going on behind the scenes. So I, I, I've been around the block a few uh, long enough to know what war is all about, and therefore I can't, I can't support that kind of violence against other human beings at the behest of, of banks and corporations. So I support human beings calling themselves the troops, but I don't support them murdering other people because some uh, person with a, with a better uniform than them says to do it. Does that make sense, Dave? Yeah, that makes sense. The thing that I support is um, people that maybe they're misguided and et cetera, but they are um, putting their life on the line for supposedly, in their minds, us. Yeah, and, absolutely. Now and, that uh, you got to honor that. I mean, for yes, me, I honor that, that. Yeah, there's a there's a very slight distinction in there, uh, Dave. And, and this is, I don't know that I have to. I, I certainly don't feel that I have to honor that. Uh, these, uh, you know, that's that's the equivalent of saying, well, you know, Hitler thought that he was making Germany a better place for the German people by exterminating all the Jews. So even though what Hitler did was really evil and he hurt a lot of people and so forth, you have to honor Hitler because he believed that he was doing the right thing. Do you see the parallels there? Sort of. <laughs> I, I mean, that's that's really what you're saying. I think there's a difference between uh, between blindly agreeing to support somebody and actually showing kindness, showing understanding, showing acceptance for, hey, I understand that you believe that you're out there fighting for the American people, but it's not the American people who are ordering you to war. It's the politicians. It's it's uh, these so-called political leaders. Well, it, well, it's also the special interest to put the politicians in office because right. so many, t- just go back and, and read it, General Smedley Butler's book, after World War One, called "War Is a Racket." He he lays it all out even back then. What mm-hmm. war is really about? So what we're told that these wars are about is not reality, and a lot of people buy into it. A lot of people want want to believe that because they they get jobs, they they get free college when they get out if they live, and they're healthy when they get back. Uh, but the reality is that that these things are not what they seem. And those of us who have taken the red pill have realized what war is really about, and we don't want any part of it. And, and of course, I understand that by showing compassion, you know, I may not, I, I wouldn't stand to honor the troops or anything, but if they came over, one of them was maybe even upset by that and came over to talk to me about it, it wouldn't mean that I'd hold any hostility or anger or malice towards that person. It's just a, 
a difference in perspectives and viewpoints. And I found that uh, by showing compassion, by showing understanding, by talking to these people like human beings and, and taking on their issues and sort of expanding their, their perspective on the world, that that can, can have some very fruitful results. Uh, Bradley Jardis, I think, is one example. He was a New Hampshire cop who was uh, going out enforcing all the drug laws. He believed in the system. Uh, you know, he would, he was, he was a, a 10 year police veteran. So he's been out there a while. He was a New Hampshire cop and some people in the movement wouldn't talk to him, said, Oh, that guy's a cop. He's a, he would arrest my friends. F him, you know, screw that. I'm not going to even, I, I don't even want him to attend any of our events. If he comes, I'm not coming. And, and there were a lot of people who were very angry when it came to, uh, you know, Brad Jardis being around the movement and so forth. But yet I talk to him a lot, uh, both on in person and uh, through email. And I know Ian's done the same thing as well as some other folks. And he's come out and said several times that that was very influential on him. And of course, he uh, went through a, a long ordeal and ended up deciding that he couldn't be a police officer anymore because it just conflicted morally with his uh, his understanding of freedom and liberty. What do you think about that? Oh, I, I no, I think that's. Absolutely. I mean, you could say someone like John Kerry turned around when he came back from the war and did that. I can barely hear you, Dave. Hello? But, but um, uh, yeah, hello? Yeah, okay. go ahead. You got to speak into the phone. We can barely hear you. Oh, I'm sorry. I was saying John Kerry kind of did that kind of thing when he went before, um, when he turned around and was against the war. A okay. lot of people do. I know a peace activist right in Keene that does it. But, um, the thing about what I like, the troops are just like these young guys that are like, they, they're they just like totally young and impressionable in there. And they, they, it seems like they're just out to defend us. You know, that's all they're about. Well, so, you know, I, that's the... I mean, and they're just following their leaders. They're just following their leaders and, and trusting that their leaders are... are Yep, that's absolutely true, Dave. You know, they're they're following orders. There's a reason that they pick them young so that they can control their minds and shape them into their reality. We'll be back. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, the Sunday edition, co-host only. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. Lots of great features for you to check out there. Uh, you can also call in and join the show at 603-435-1105. 603-435-1105. Call in, bring up anything, take control of the airwaves. And uh, until then, we are fresh out of calls. Until then, we're going to read some stories here that we find interesting. And, you know, Wayne, we've been talking about sort of uh, government and, and their responsibility and, you know, how the, the police are supposedly out there to protect us. And we covered on the uh, open container arrests and so forth that have been happening in Keene. We'll hear from WCPO.com, ABC 9 News, a woman run over, killed by police cruiser in Over the Rhine Park. So in... Uh, Cincinnati, uh, the police chief, Tom Stretcher, says a woman has died after she was run over by a cruiser driven by Cincinnati policemen in uh, over the Rhine on Tuesday. Stretcher says uh, Officer Marty Pollock was patrolling uh, Washington Street when he made a turn off a walking path and accidentally struck the woman. 
Family members identify the victim as 48-year-old Joanne Burton. Witnesses tell Nine News Burton uh, tell Nine News Burton was lying on the ground in blankets when she was run over by the cruiser around 11:45 a.m. So here it is, a nice day out in the park, Wayne. Your uh, your wife or friend or somebody goes out in the park, and and uh, you know, not not unreasonable to think, hey, it might be fun to lay out a blanket here and and enjoy the park and take a nap or meditate or do do who knows what. And we've got police, I guess, running them over. <laughs> Uh, Unbelievable. Witnesses say, I was uh, standing in the, up in the gazebo over here at uh, Washington Park, and uh, the officer was staring at me while I was dancing, and then all of a sudden he goes through the grass and runs the lady over. He ran the lady over. The backpack is still up under the tire, Deborah Gross said. So I guess he was coming to, to put a stop to dangerous dancing, maybe. Let's see how the story develops. Uh, John Ridley, who says he was in the park when the incident happened, tells Nine News, uh, Pollock looked into, uh, looked like he was going to approach a man who had an open container. She was, uh, laying, laying up in the park. The police, from what I, what I understand, was trying to, uh, run after somebody with a beer. He hit her. He ran over her up to the, up in the grass, went up in the grass and run her over, Ridley said. Uh, man, these quotes. <laughs> well, you know, since the government has run the economy into the ground, there's a lot more people who have time to, to drink beer in a park these days. I guess. Well, and <laughs> I'm just reading, the, like the, these quotes that I'm reading, I'm actually trying to clean them up as I read them because the first one, you know, in the story, uh, I was standing on the, this is a quote, it starts with the quotation marks, I was standing on the gazebo over here at Washington Park and the officer, comma, I was standing up there dancing, and the officer was staring at me. You know, it just like repeats itself. In this bottom one, it was, uh, it was the same thing. People aren't even talking in coherent sentences, but yet the government education system is the answer, isn't it, Wayne? Mm, unbelievable. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. So Burton then sat up and was talking to the officer, according to uh, Stretcher. Emergency crews were called and transported to her university hosp- hospital, where she later died died so that he could go in and enforce somebody not harming anybody drinking an adult beverage. Boy, that's that's so worth it. I'm glad we have these ordinances. Somebody to, wasn't hurting anybody. To keep people safe. And I mean, and I'm glad the police are willing to go the extra mile to, you know, actually get out of their car and walk over to somebody. You know, why do that when you're the authority and you can just drive through the park or drive anywhere you want? It's not like somebody's going to write him a ticket, is it? I mean, I'm sure he's going to face manslaughter charges for this, wouldn't you think? Because, you know, he didn't mean to do it, but certainly somebody's dead. Well, he acted haphazardly with his with his police cruiser because there's no reason for him to uh, to, to drive that way, that aggressively. Well, uh, Officer Pollock is a 25-year veteran of the force. Uh, let's see. I'm just trying to skip through this here. I would hope that uh, certainly a veteran officer and that any other officer would think twice about fitting their automobile in a cramped area, and especially when they see a blanket. <laughs> you would think, wouldn't you? But then you don't have any uh, consequences, really, for your actions, typically. So that tends to deter any kind of critical thinking or, or common, common sense. In the park, a blanket usually means there is uh, somebody underneath it. I don't think that most citizens would make this mistake. <laughs> we have to question why a uh, police officer who, by the way, is a park police officer, 
He's been in, in this park before. He's driven through this park and before, and I'm sure uh, other parks perhaps. How could he make this mistake? Well, he just he doesn't care. You know, it's not like he has any incentive to care. He's protected from his actions. I, I can I can tell you before we even get to the bottom of this story, they're going to do an internal investigation and they're gonna they're gonna get to the bottom of this, Wayne. They mm-hmm. will leave no stone underturned overturned and or underturned and in investigating themselves. And they're gonna come out in a few weeks once the heat's died down from this and say, uh Officer Pollock was uh was acting according to standard procedures. Isn't that always that doesn't their answer? sound standard to me? Let's see where they go with this. Uh, Let's see. Chief Stretcher says he contacted the Ohio State Highway Patrol to conduct the investigation because, you know, if you're a government organization and you kill somebody to get an independent organization or, you know, investigation that's going to be fair, you just need to make sure that you call a different part of the government to come and investigate you. As if that ever works. Uh, Members of the Hamilton County Prosecutor's Office were also called to the scene. City Manager Milton Donahue Jr. released the following statement on Tuesday. Today's incident is a terrible tragedy and our thoughts and prayers are with everyone affected by it. I ask the community to keep all involved in their prayers as well. There are not enough details yet to know exactly what happened other than the fact that this police officer ran over somebody laying in a blanket in the park. We have yet to uh, let the investigation proceed before any conclusions can be reached. The Ohio State Patrol has been called in to the scene uh, as to lead agency, as the lead agency investigating the officer-involved incident. The Cincinnati police are now in a support role. <laughs> Burton uh, leaves behind a husband, children, and a brother and a sister. Wow. All that for an open container, Wayne. I mean, how, how can they justify this? The, the, how many times do we hear that, well, if this law just saves one life, Wayne, one life, if we can just save one person and keep them from getting hurt, it will all be worth it. But what about the people you hurt with all the unintended consequences? Well, here's one. And there's one right there. And what are they going to do about it? Which, wh- where did this politician in his speech that he just gave talk about repealing the silly law so that something like this doesn't happen again? Hmm. Nowhere. Uh, let's see if there's anything else here. Uh, Burton's brother, Jerome Burton, and nephew Rick Lundy came to the park uh, to see the scene of the accident. The Coalition for the Homeless held a memorial Tuesday evening in honor of Burton in Washington Park at the gazebo. I wonder if the police came and harassed him for not having a permit for that. Wouldn't surprise me. So uh, there's a little uh, justice coming out of the uh, the open container laws, and, and you see the kind of unintended consequences that uh, that the system creates. I mean, when you when you give these people unchecked power when you give them the legitimate authority over others and they don't have any checks on that authority when they're not held accountable for their actions this is what results i mean (laughs) this guy should be in jail if you or i ran over somebody in a park with a blanket we'd be in a cage right now i remember there was a time when when people sued police for false arrest but the p- police have gained more power and less accountability, partially due to the war on drugs, because of all the f- gunfights and all the things that were going on during that. 
And again, that's something that we have to really look at repealing because that's really made a mess of our so-called justice system. Yeah, the drug war is what brings the police into our homes, into our automobiles, into all aspects of their lives. It's a justification for so many of the things that they do. And the answer, of course, is to let the market handle protection services, get this unaccountability out of the system, and uh, evolve. This is. This is Free Talk Live, the Sunday edition of the show. There's still time for your calls if you make it right now to 603-435-1105. Joining you tonight, it's Sam and Wayne. And you can check out more at freetalklive.com. Join the AMP program, the amplifiers, advertise, market, and promote the show. They help uh, provide valuable funding to do a lot of things. Send these guys to conferences, run an ad in Talkers Magazine, uh, the AMP program is also responsible for the Liberty Radio Network, which puts great programming all on one uh, one stream and allows people to rebroadcast that in their area. You can find out more about that at amp.freetalklive.com. Okay, so Wayne, we've kind of gotten off into a story about uh, police and just general bureaucratic unaccountability for their actions and we were scrolling through the final story here to figure out what we want to talk about. And we came up with one, uh, a, a police shooting. Yes, father says fighting words led to son's shooting death. A grieving father said an unfortunate choice of, cho- unfortunate choice of words used by his son may have caused his death. 28-year-old James Whitehead was pronounced dead at a hospital last night from a single gunshot wound to the chest fired by off-duty Orange Police Captain Robert Arnold outside the O'Reilly's Auto Parts store. Vernon Whitehead said the last 24 hours have been hard as news of his son's death came from a phone call. Now, I guess what happened was there was some sort of altercation where Mr. Whitehead went into an auto parts store and he was told that the uh, uh, alternator or whatever the part it was, he couldn't return it. He got very upset. Mm -hmm. And there was this off-duty police officer there who maybe tried at first to mediate it, but then they got into an argument. And and allegedly, Mr. Whitehead called the uh, police officer a racial slur of some kind. The, uh, I wonder if he called him a cracker. Whatever it might have been. Uh, or a honky. Well, well, <laughs> no, the police officer was actually uh, was, was black, and, and okay. apparently the, the um, uh, other fellow was not. So what happened was they both went outside, and... The police officer took his gun out and shot the guy right in the chest and killed him. Nice. And and well, you know, well, was he trying to get go after his gun or uh, no? No. Apparently, he pulled did it he out. Have and, a baseball bat? Uh, no, no baseball bat. Maybe he's got an auto part in his hand or something. But I think that was probably about it. But um, Whitehead's father says that he can't believe that his son, a father to a three-year-old daughter, decorated Marine who served two tours in Afghanistan and signed up for a third may have died over what he believes were fighting words, derogatory remarks, remarks or words, name calling anything. If I shot any, uh, anybody who called me a name, I've killed, I would have killed 80, 80% of the people I saw. They're just names said Whitehead. And the police are trained. The, the, the courts here in New Hampshire anyway, have said that police officers can't be offended by anything someone says because they have the duty of, mm-hmm. Of dealing with the you know the most undesirable elements of society, so therefore they cannot be the 
the subject of disorderly conduct. So they're, they're because they're professionals, you see, they've been to the academy. They know how to deal with people. They know that they're using violence and force against people. So, well, they don't actually consciously know that a lot of them. Uh, they pretend that, well, no, it's the law. Right. They, they frame it differently to justify it. Yeah, because they, they put this costume on. The costume has magical powers that... Uh, you know, lets them go out and initiate force and, and use uh, this monopoly violence against people, and, and it totally absolves them of any moral uh, implications. And we, we know some very good police officers, too. Oh, yeah. But, the, but ones like this make the rest of them look bad, obviously. I mean, this guy has a three-year-old daughter who's never going to know who her dad was because some cop decided he was angered by what he said and, and went ahead and just shot him point blank right in the chest. Yeah. And, and you know, th- there are a lot of people in the black community who are very sensitive over those words because they've been used so much. And I understand that. And, and I would never use those words towards another human being, especially something that would upset somebody and, and hurt them. But when people get mad, you know, they, they tend to sometimes spout off things they wouldn't ordinarily say. And there's, and I don't condone what the man said to this police off-duty police officer, but how you, one relates to an issue is the real issue. And he didn't respond appropriately to that, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple lines here. And uh, <laughs> just to go along, I mean, this is standard procedure. Orange police have not yet released the details of the shooting death. Captain Arnold has since been put on paid administrative leave as part of a normal protocol. Mm-hmm. So the protocol is when you or I, you know, if you or I were to run somebody over in the park, we'd be immediately arrested. If you or I were to go up and shoot somebody point blank in the chest because they said a bad word that offended me, we would be arrested immediately. We'd go to jail. We'd be put before a magistrate the next morning who's supposed to determine that, yeah, there's enough evidence here that, you know, this person can be punished. Actually, they're supposed to be taken for a magistrate immediately, but, you know, they don't typically do that in most states. And, uh, you know, then if it's a felony, which both of these cases are are felony-level crimes when you murder somebody, whether it's voluntarily or not, uh, you go before a a grand jury. They, They look at all of the evidence through this information that the county attorney or the district attorney puts together, and they decide, yeah, there's enough evidence here. Let's have a trial with a true bill. They say, uh, no, you know, there's not enough evidence here. That's a no bill or a pass where I think they just kind of put it off. And so, you know, that's the process that you or I would go through. We would we would be in jail. We'd, we'd have a bail to uh, to get out because it looks like we committed this crime. We would uh, immediately have a trial and so forth. When the police, however, run somebody over in their car or shoot somebody at point blank range in the chest, they are initially given a... Paid vacation. That's what it sounds like. And, and you know, this, this, I, I've heard this said before, and I think it's so true, is that police should realize, policemen, policewomen should realize that they have no power. Their uniform and their badge have the power. They're paid to wear that uniform and be an extension of the state, the, the, extent, or the extension of the violent state, I should say. And if they go take another job and they don't have that uniform, they have no power. Yeah, that, that's a great question that I think people can ask police is, you know, where could you do the same things that you're doing today, this, the exact same job without wearing that costume? Where, where could you do that and get away with it? I mean, could you go, you know, get a job with UPS or, or, uh, or FedEx or I, I don't know who, kick in their door and go and seize things that you find objectionable in their house and, and hold their family at gunpoint? 
you get shot. Yep. Or so arrested or both. It's not the it's not the the it's not the uh there's no authority really to do that other than what comes out of that uniform. It's the costume that you guys are putting on to all the police and military and and bureaucrats out there. You could not get away with this in any other industry. Mm-hmm. It, it's only and, and the what monopoly. Ki- and what kind of world are they really creating for their children and grandchildren by abusing the power that, that, that they've been given or told they have with this uniform? And, and it's a double standard as well. I mean, one of the maximums, maxims of law is equality, that all people are equal before the eyes of the law, supposedly. Well, how is it that this is equality when this guy's getting a paid vacation and you or I are getting a cold jail cell and crappy food? Does that make any sense at all? I mean, how can they possibly justify this? They they come out and they say, well, uh, you know, it, these officers are put in uh, tough, stressful environments. And, 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 that, and that is true. And that is true. But again, how much of that is because of the war on drugs? Well, how much of it is because these people you know, that these mistakes, how many times do these things happen because they know that they're not going to be held accountable because they know yeah. that they have the brotherhood, which is their, you know, their little gang that the police have. They call it the, themselves the thin blue line, which is the black rectangle with a blue line running through the middle of it. Uh, you know, they know that they're going to close in no matter what happens. They'll cover for the uh, cop. They'll all get their stories straight. They'll lie. They can, they can plant guns on uh, people that that they've shot, and you know, there's no telling what these police are doing. There are perverse incentives, <clears throat> just just like banks that that loan people money, knowing that they don't really care if they pay it back. They, they're making money on the fees and selling the mortgages. When we we were surrounded by a lot of perverse incentives today, because our societies become too centralized and too complex, and the only answer for that is simplicity and decentralization. Which means allowing the marketplace to come in here and start providing competition, start providing agencies where I'm voluntarily paying for them instead of, uh, you know, being visited by their their deep decentralized or de- their uh, compartmentalized uh, buddies in the sheriff's department who are going to come throw me from my home if I don't pay these cops salaries because that's the way it works today. Of course, it it helps they they organize it that way intentionally. So that, you know, these guys don't ever have to go and throw anybody out of their house because that might be a little too obvious for them to say, you know what, we don't throw this guy from his house, then other people might stop paying. And if they stop paying, I'm not going to get my paycheck. So therefore, I'm just threatening this guy with violence, taking his home from him in order to keep my job and to get that fancy pension that they promised me. You know, where does it end? What kind of world do you want to live in? I don't know. Uh, It's been Sam here with you. And Wade, thank you uh, for joining us. Come back more for tomorrow.